back to Hitch Route. We already did our recap episode, and from now on, we're more likely than not going to be splitting those episodes moving forward. Especially this week, though, because we wanted to give a rundown of all the games for week one, because it's the start of the season. We won't go in-depth for every single game moving forward, so if that recap episode is short enough, we might latch it on to this one. But at the end of the day, it probably makes sense for a listening perspective to get each part individually and letting our viewers, you, the audience, decide which half you want to listen to at your leisure. But yeah, week two predictions are on board. And uh, this comes in just right before Thursday Night Football, so we are saying this before the game happened. <laughs> yes, yes, we just had to cover ourselves, you know, in case the, uh, in case the uh, football podcast lawyers come after us. Pretty much. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, Alex. Like, this is a really – this is an interesting week two slate. I, I I know, like, we'll get into this when we reveal our pick shortly, but there's a pretty vast expanse of, of the Sunday schedule, which is literally teams that got clowned in week one and which are now facing layups in week two. Indeed there are. And you and I – may disagree on some games, but the way the slate lined up, it's like one half chronologically are very tight games. One half is layup city. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like especially teams that like were either expected to win in week one or like they had a really good shot of winning in week one and they came up just short, you know, like, you know, those teams are going to be hyper-focused and just hyper-motivated coming into this weekend and honestly, I'm I'm really excited to see it. It's funny. Chiefs Chargers tonight is one of the few games that doesn't really fit that mold in that they both won pretty comfortably. Although I, I guess you can't say that I, I, I guess you can't say the Chargers won all that comfortably, but at the same time, they really did control that game, just as Kansas City controlled theirs um, you know, in week one. But now they get to square off against each other, and I couldn't be more excited for it. I mean, this is going to be a huge game of Thursday Night Football. And I, you know, I let's just get right into this game. I love the Chargers. I, I don't, I haven't put any money on it anywhere, but the Chargers, I have said, and I will continue to say from my preseason analysis, were actually my favorite to win the Super Bowl. And that's kind of crazy considering they didn't even make the playoffs last year. Honestly, though, like, I'm not sure if it's that crazy. It's not. That's the thing. Like, they, they, they had such an amazing offseason, um, amassing so much additional talent. And, you know, Justin Herbert is so young and only figures to get better. Yeah. The Chargers had a very weird 2021. I mean, like, there were games where – it just seemed like literally everything went wrong for them. Like that Raider game at the very end, obviously the one that, that, well, that, you know, did that partly to themselves. Well, sure. But like, yes, yes. Anytime you go for on fourth and eight from your own 29, you should, you know, be, you should be aware of the potential consequences should you fail. But that said, like, you know, I, I can recall the game they played against the Ravens where literally they couldn't get anything going. And then the, and, but then the previous week they had put up, 45 points 
You know, like they were a very streaky team. Like it was almost like if they started fast, they played well and they and they usually won. But if they were slow out of the gate or if they got punched in the mouth early, it was almost like they just had a difficult time getting on track. And that's going to happen when you have a young quarterback, you know, like like, you know, like to your point, you know, Justin Herbert, he's now in his third year. I think he's going to be much more comfortable in this offense. He looked much more comfortable on Sunday. And uh, how about this, man? First streaming only NFL game in history. Streaming only? First and first ever streaming only NFL regular season game of all time. I knew that obviously Amazon bought Thursday Night Football. Right. Normally it was like a dual coverage thing. This that's something. Yeah, no, this is this will be the first time you literally must have prime video to watch the game. Well, good thing Jeff Bezos has a stranglehold over my wallet, so I will be able to do this comfortably. <laughs> yes, 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 indeed. It is hard for us to live our lives without Daddy Jeff. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I... Daddy Zezos. Yes, yes, Daddy Zezos. Thank you. And, like, honestly, why I think that's so important and so meaningful is that this is going to be the first time that we actually get a real NFL viewership number. And, like... That's really hard to think about because like we're so used to just, you know, seeing, you know, the the typical stat, which is like, oh, this NFL preseason game was more watched than game seven of the NBA finals. But like at the end of the day, like that number is just an estimate. You know, it's it's based on a Nielsen rating, which is based on just like a couple of radiometers like all over the country. Um, this is different. Like. Amazon's going to know exactly how many people are streaming this game and how long they're streaming it for. So I'm really, I'm honestly so excited to know what the actual number is for the very first time. It's going to be pretty interesting, but I, I'm curious how this will factor in for situations like the bar. You know, so many people go to sports bars to watch games. Um, what, how will they factor in, you know, the prime stream on one account there that gets broadcast to all their televisions or similarly, how are they going to factor in Amazon prime being viewed on a, on a smart TV by a whole family? You're not, you're never going to really know exactly how many people it is, but yeah, you'll know how many accounts it is. I don't see it being all that different from a Nielsen rating system. Well, the only difference will be like, I 100% agree, you know, like if, if one family is sharing one account, like you'll never know the exact number of eyeballs, but like, you know, we will know the actual number of accounts. Like, like before, like we didn't even know the actual number of accounts. It was literally just like an educated conjecture based upon the strategic placement of a couple of, you know, based on like a couple of nodes all over the country. Um, and so, you know, in that regard, honestly, dude, I would not be surprised if the actual number is so much higher. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if like if if usually we think it's about 10 million viewers, I wouldn't be surprised if it's more like 20 um, because I just think the NFL is that popular. And like more and more just when I'm out and about, it's what I hear people talking about, you know, like I, I just moved to a new city and. I'll be walking the streets and like 
I'll just hear people talking about like NFL and like, it won't even be Sunday, you know, like while the games are being played. Um, and so I just think it has really taken a hold in our society. And I think it's taken a much greater hold than sometimes people might care to realize. Well, here we at Zoltab are hoping to play into this hole, whether it be through our survivor games or through our listenership of this podcast. Indeed. Everyone loves sport. Well, not everyone, but so many people love sports. Um, and so many people love the NFL in particular. This is going to be a great game. And it's a game that, despite my love for the Chargers, I think the Chiefs are going to win this one. Mm. Juicy? Care to elaborate? So not juicy as far as you're concerned. I would say that the Chiefs just looked so much better out the gates than I anticipated. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is home field for them, yes? Yes. And uh, looking how good they did, uh, in combination with the fact that Keen Allen is not playing for the Los Angeles Chargers this week, I just think that uh, it, I think it's going to be a close game, but I think the Chiefs will win it. Every argument you just made is 100% spot on and completely rational. And I still think the Chargers are going to win. Like, like on the one hand, like I see where you're coming from. Like the Chiefs looked almost scarily ready to play that game. Like they looked almost, almost frighteningly comfortable in an offense without Tyreek Hill. Um, like, that to me looks like what they should have looked like in like mid-October, you know, like just firing on all cylinders, you know, typical Chiefs. But now I think, you know, there there is a bit more of a nuance here in that, A, Arizona very well could be dreadful. Um, I mean, like there were, there were times when they just didn't look like they had any fight in them whatsoever. Um I happen to think they could actually be a dumpster fire this year, a talented dumpster fire, but a dumpster fire nonetheless. Um, So there's that. Also, Kansas City, I think, is 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 going to be just as prolific on offense across four quarters. But I don't know if they're necessarily going to be as quick striking an offense as they were under Hill. Right. So like. I almost felt at times with Tyreek Hill, their offense was more feast or famine. Um, You know, they would have entire halves of football where they would manage like three points, Um, but they scored 35 in the first half. So it just didn't matter. Um, This, this chiefs team is more interesting to me. It feels like they have to earn their touchdowns more Um, and they can't necessarily rely on those freebies over the top. And when you have to earn those touchdowns, there is no greater antidote to that additional struggle than going up against a division rival who historically has played you very close. Um, you know, ever since Justin Herbert joined the fold, every Chargers Chiefs game has just been nuts. Um, you know, meaning like it's it's been nuts like in a competitive sense. And I just, I don't know, man. I, I just think the charge, I think the Chiefs are really feeling themselves after that week one win. I think the Chargers are more stout defensively. And I think they still feel like they have something to prove. Whereas the Chiefs are going to march on in there and say, this is our house. We've owned you guys. We know that we're, we know that we're the best team in football and no one can beat us. 
well, maybe not no one can beat us, but you know, you, you get my point. And I just think the Chargers are going to punch them in the, are going to punch them in the mouth. I really do. Well, I want you to be right. I want that to be what happens. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Because as I agree that clearly they're more stout defensively. I just think Mahomes is bouncing back, which is really weird to say about Patrick Mahomes, but you know, the Chiefs definitely underwhelmed a bit last year, particularly um, in the early going of things. Um, and, you know, the, uh, they played the Bengals, who were obviously phenomenal, but the Bengals were still an unbalanced team relatively, compared right. to the Chiefs at least. So they're disappointed, and they definitely want to keep moving forward. And they obviously wanted to send a message week one, but this game is much more important to them. The yeah. fact that they were able to power through against the against the Cardinals as well as they did means that they had so much time to prepare. They didn't really have to think. Clearly, this wasn't a game that needs to hold on to their mental capacity for long because, oh, hey, we have to face Justin Herbert now because he is the threat to our success. This was the game they were planning for no matter what. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree. I don't doubt they were potentially overlooking Arizona a bit, um, you know, and looking ahead to this one. Um, but, you know, I, I will say this for the Chiefs. Andy Reid in September and Mahomes in September, unbelievably filthy. Um, and in that regard, you know, the Chargers got a bit of a tough draw. Um, and in addition, like you were just talking, you were just touching on this. Mahomes has, I think we're starting to see this, this rare gift Mahomes has. It's one that Brady has, I believe. It's one that, that um, uh, one of the other great quarterbacks, I'm, I'm having a hard time producing his name right now, but just this ability to use the offseason disrespect, but like channel that into success on the field. You know, like I always feel like with Baker, Baker has that chip on his shoulder and he lets the criticism and the and the doubters fuel him. Uh, but, you know, like like I don't even think Lamar Jackson has this, you know, because we all know he's had his unbelievable share of doubters and critics in the league. But like, I don't even know if he necessarily feasts on it. You know, I think he just kind of plays and like he, he he's like able to tune it out. Like, I don't think he necessarily rises to the occasion or plays better when the narrative when the narrative is like against him at that moment. But with Mahomes it's different. I always feel like with Mahomes when the narrative has been against him, he has been at his best. And there's no reason to think why that shouldn't continue tonight. So no matter what it's going to be an amazing game. Amazing. I I am so so happy the schedule makers came up with this one for the first Thursday night game. I couldn't be more excited. Well, it's not the first Thursday night game. Uh, the first Thursday night game is Bills Rams. Technically, technically, yes, you are not wrong. But at the same time, like this is the first like real Thursday night football it's game. It's the first. Uh, it's not first prime time, but it's the first in the TNF packaging. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yes. Is, yes. Again, another scheduling anomaly uh, that I still don't exactly understand about this league. But hey. It worked for an amazing game this time around. Yeah, absolutely. No, honestly, like I like Thursday football. Like it's it, it's nice because like I always feel like when we get to Thursday football, like 
it's sort of like the lead into the weekend, you know, like, wow, I have a football game and then I have Friday and then the weekend is here, you know, um, you know, it's almost like a congratulatory, you know, celebration. It's almost like a congratulatory gift from the NFL that like you're getting a game on Thursday night, you know, like, hey, welcome to the almost weekend, guys. Here's a game. Enjoy. I'm pretty sure you won't be saying that when it's Steelers Browns next week. Yes, well, we don't have to think about that right now, do we? <laughs> no, we don't. All right. Next game on the slate, though. Dolphins at Ravens. Mm. I may or may not have a rooting interest in this game. You may or may not. And I, who has less of one, thinks the Dolphins are going to win, actually. And I'm curious to hear your take on this, because everyone and their brother listening to this pod knows who I'm going to pick. But I'm not sure if, if it was so obvious that you were going to pick the Dolphins. So please, please elaborate. I just think that uh, I, I think I might be saying something differently if I felt J.K. Dobbins was going to be playing. But we know how awful the current running back situation is right now if he isn't playing. And the Miami Dolphins have a very strong secondary um, in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. So I think the defense, as you said last week, oh, not last week, the last episode, is the core to this team. And I think it just lines up very well for the Dolphins in terms of the matchups because while Bateman is a guy we like, he's still very young, and Duvernay, very, not not as young, but still young and still pretty unproven despite two wonderful touchdowns last Sunday. I just don't think it plays to the favor of the Ravens if they could only be passing against the Dolphins. Meanwhile, Mike McDaniel, I think, impressed very thoroughly week one. It was sloppy, I would say, but they made it – they were fine. They were able to play sloppy against the Patriots, and the Patriots couldn't do anything about it. And I think that speaks magnitudes about what this Dolphins team will look like. Sure. get develop more rapport. And I just think this offense is going to fire a lot better particularly because the running game was stuffed in uh, in the last game, but I don't think it would be against the Ravens because that's not the stri- biggest strength in your defense. All good points. Um, I I do happen to agree. So, so there's – this is a tough one because, like, on the one hand, like, I, I 100% agree with your assertion that if the Ravens can't run the ball, they could very well lose this game. Um, the Dolphins are not going to let us just, you know, us, LOL. The Dolphins are not just going to let the Ravens throw on them mercilessly, just like the Jets did. Um, they're just, as you said, far better matchup, far more favorable matchup for the Dolphins in the passing game, I believe, um, against the Ravens, at least the way the rosters are currently constructed. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of torn because, like, did Brian Flores's blitz-heavy scheme leave the Dolphins with Brian Flores? Or is it going to stick around despite the fact that he's now gone? Right? Like, because, see, the Ravens have been chirping all week, you know, through their press conferences and social media channels that, like, they have figured out an answer to the Dolphins' blitz-heavy response from last year. Well, a couple things. One... Hopefully, hopefully you shouldn't need an answer because hopefully you should be able to actually run the ball this year. I mean, all indications are that J.K. Dobbins 
was once again a full participant in practice. And in theory, he could very well be out there on Sunday. And if he's out there, they will be able to run the ball. And suddenly, you know, that game becomes nothing like last year's game, where they literally had no capable, yes, capable NFL running backs on their roster. Um, So, like, I kind of see it both ways here. But at the same time, I do believe the Ravens, and specifically Lamar, I believe they remembered that Dolphins loss last year very viscerally. And I just have this feeling, especially with them coming up on week in, in week two on the schedule, I just have a feeling they spent a lot of time in the offseason coming up with a potential plan for how they would combat that if they ever saw it again. And so while I am once again a proud fan of the purple team, which may or may not be coloring my perspective here, I do truly believe in my heart that the Ravens are going to find a way to answer this time. And that hopefully, if all goes the way it should, they shouldn't even need to answer in the same way that they would have had to have answered in last year's contest because of the way the roster has improved. I see where you're coming from. I just think that as much as you guys have improved, the Dolphins have improved, if not more, because of Tyreek Hill. But yeah, I think that's about it for this game. Moving on to Jets at Browns. Man, what a what a barn burner! Yeah, uh, Browns will win handedly. Yes, I, I mean, I, I it, once again, it pains me to see Joe Flacco in the state which he has been reduced to, which is just completely incapable of eluding any kind of pass rush whatsoever. I mean, the poor man can't even take three steps to his left before there are five rushers on top of him, um, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, just just a very, very sad showing by him last week. His left tackle is not coming back, um, which means I have no reason to believe that the situation is going to improve, which is a really tough matchup against Miles Garrett, who might literally be the best pass rusher in football. Um, Browns win handily. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I have nothing else to say on the matter. Uh, moving on, Commanders at Lions. Ooh, man. Another helping of kneecap soup. Who you got in this one? Will we ever move on from kneecap soup? I don't well, think you know. Possible. Well, you know when 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 taking your your daily kneecap soup finds you putting up thirty five points in week one. I'm sorry, but we're going to talk about kneecap soup, okay? I mean that's that that's just the way it goes. If kneecap soup equals thirty five points in week one, I'm going to talk about kneecap soup. Okay, man, I get it. It's important. Yes. You need your daily kneecap soup. You do, or else you cannot score 35 points. You know, Popeye had his spinach, but I'd like to think it was actually solidified kneecap soup. Yes. I could be wrong, though. I could be wrong. Regardless. Regardless. I do think the team that has a worse version of kneecap soup, regular soup, the Washington Commanders are going to win this game. Hmm. And why is that? (laughs) He's looked so good. I know it was against the Jaguars, but the thing is, the Jaguars' defense is just as bad, if not a teensy bit better, than the Lions' defense. Uh, So, I respect it. Call me a hard knocks romantic, but I'm sorry. I think the Lions bounce back and win. I think 
they have an uncanny motivation and desire to play so hard for Dan Campbell. I mean, literally, like you and I talked about this the other night when we were recapping week one. We've now seen two straight Lions openers where they got down big early, but they literally stormed almost all the way back, which is just unbelievable. I mean, like on the one hand, it it makes me think, well, if you're having to storm all the way back, why isn't your coaching not better in the first half so that you're not in these deficits, deficits constantly? So like there's that. But at the same time, like one of these days, they're going to complete the comeback. And Carson Wentz is not going to look like a god as he did in week one every week of this season. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the commanders will lose a little focus going into this game because they're probably feeling themselves right now, albeit it was a win over the Jags. But, like, that was a tough, hard-fought win. And, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they let their guard down a bit. Meanwhile, the Lions have a really bad taste in their mouths from coming up just short against uh, Philadelphia in the opener. And so I, I really would not be surprised if, if the Lions pulled this one out. And, and again, you know, they're at home once again. So, you know, they get to play in front of their home crowd, you know, a second straight time here to open the season. And I think they're going to play extra special hard for them too because I, I think they feel like they let them down in week one. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I just think that overall the Washington offense is better. I mean, it, based on a small sample size, admittedly. This has only been one game with Carson Wentz, but the chemistry was so smooth that I have no reason to doubt it heading into another match with a terrible defense. Admittedly, this is a defense that is... The, 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 the Washington defense is a lot worse than the defense from the Eagles. So I think that being able to come back is much more feasible for the Lions in this game. I just don't think it's going to be a comeback situation. I think it's going to be a constant shootout with the commanders having the slight upper hand. I mean, it feels, it feels so weird to say this, but like, I love the Lions offense. Like, like I think Jared Goff behind a, a stud offensive line, which he definitely now has up in Detroit, I would put that offensive line as easily top five to seven, like in this league um, with the combination of a very capable and, and, and prolific stable of running backs with Swift and uh, Jamal Williams. Um, they've got some speedy threats on the outside too, not to mention TJ Hawkinson over the middle. Um, I think they have a very real chance in this game. And, and, and by extension, I think they have a very real chance to like make some noise this year. Maybe not necessarily make a run for the playoffs, but like I very well could see the Lions winning seven to eight games this year. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that. Yeah, I don't disagree. Moving on to Colts and Jaguars. I just don't... You chose the Jaguars. And we know that this happens eight, what, eight years in a row now? That the Colts (laughs) have lost in Jacksonville? But surely it can't happen again. I mean, are we sure it surely can't happen again? <laughs> I, I think the Colts had to have been planning this game. As weird as it is that they have to be like, guys, we got to lock down these Jaguars. But they had the Texans week one, so they very well might have been able to think that way. Imagine beating the Colts and having to expend so many brain cells toward beating the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
and the Houstonville Texans because and the Houstonville Texans, yes, they only tied when they don't expend a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I personally think the Colts are very, very lucky to have tied in that in that game week one because I think they're going to lose this game. I think they're going to lose this game because I think it's institutional. I think I think it's going to be in their heads the whole time from start to finish. Like, man, what's it going to be this time? Who's going to fumble in a backbreaking spot? You know, you know, when is Matt Ryan going to throw the backbreaking interception, which he has a, he has a tendency to do over the course of his career. Um, you know, much the same as Carson Wentz did, you know, before him. Um, you know, I, and not to mention there's got to be a matchup problem. I mean, you know, to to have such difficulty beating a single singular opponent in your division. Like there was a there was a very long stretch when the Ravens struggled with this under Flacco. Um, Marvin Lewis was the Bengals head coach. He had been the Ravens defensive coordinator and was previously a defensive coach for Baltimore while Flacco was in his younger playing days. And he knew all of Joe's weaknesses. And it literally came out whenever we played the Bengals, they would just consistently have our number. And there was just really no way to explain it. Um, other than a personnel mismatch or a coach that just, for whatever reason, knows the other team's personnel uncannily well. But like, I think it's in, I think it's in the Colts heads. I think it's in their heads right now as they make the trip down there. And I think it's going to be in their heads from the first whistle to the final whistle. Who is going to make the mistake that keeps this weird streak we have against us going? And for that reason, and really for that reason alone, not to mention, I think the Jags are pretty pissed about the way that, you know, their, their week one game ended. Um, so I, I think they're going to have a fire under their butts. I've got Jacksonville. I'm sorry. I would never pick them in Survivor, but I do have Jacksonville to win this game. I think that the Colts similarly have a fire under them because of the way week one turned out. And I think that uh, I'm just not going to bet against Jonathan Taylor facing the Jacksonville Jaguars. I simply cannot. And I think Matt Ryan has proved that he has the capability of unlocking Michael Pittman even further. So, yeah, that's that's really all I have to say. Yes. I see why Jacksonville very well could win, but uh, on, on paper, I it can't happen. Yes, the key which Carson Wentz continuously was trying to shove into Michael Pittman's padlock during the 2021 season, just did not seem to fit for one reason or another. But Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan has the actual fitting key in Michael Pittman's padlock. I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, not as much as I'm going to enjoy the seeing the looks on everyone's faces and all of the memes that are constructed on Twitter when Jacksonville pulls this game out for the eighth year in a row in Jacksonville. Very well, then. Next matchup, Bucks at Saints. Bucks at Saints. Saints! Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's... it's I, I think we should perhaps move on simply for our pace, but in general, it's weird that we're writing off the Bucks so fast, even if we hate the way that O-line looks. Because the Saints almost lost to the Falcons. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think Dennis Allen has Brady figured out. I don't know what it is. Again, 
a weird divisional matchup, much the same as the Jags Colts, where seemingly all logic and reason goes out the door because one guy knows another guy uncannily well, and the guy who he knows can't figure out the guy who knows him and how to and how to overcome him. So like for me, I mean like, you know, call it a lazy take or or a low effort prediction, but you know, I I've got to use Tampa's 0 and 4 track record against the Saints during the regular season as as my baseline here. I think that's fair. I also just think that uh, Brady has the worst O-line that he's ever had when facing the Saints as a Buccaneer. Mm. And uh, that he also is going to be very relaxed. And the, the Bucks generally don't need any push for this next game because they destroyed the, the Cowboys 19-3. to Destroyed could be a bit sarcastic given the 19, but it was still a grand margin when your opponent only scores three. You know, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, it's also the angriest wifey he has had in all the times that he has played the Saints since becoming a Buccaneer. I would argue it's the angriest wifey he's had in his entire career. Yes, arguably so, which is coming at a wonderful, wonderful time, isn't it? Shall we move on then? Yeah. Let's move to the next game. Panthers at Giants. What an interesting matchup. Um, I have the Panthers. You have the Giants. And quite frankly, I can see a scenario where either of them win this game. So I'm curious to hear your take, and then I'll offer mine. And then we will accept that we are at a Mexican standoff, and then we will move on to the next game. Giants beat the Titans, who I consider better than the Panthers. And that is really all I need to see. Nice. I think that the running game in particular is the matchup to focus on. And Saquon Barkley is a stud. Yeah. We saw what uh, Chubb and Hunt did. And one could argue that Saquon is even better than Chubb. So, yeah, that's that's really it. Yeah. Honestly, like the more I think about this, the more I think, yeah, I think the Giants are going to win. And, and like I have the Panthers, I have the Panthers on paper. Again, I might just change that um, because I'm, I'm starting to like unconvince myself of that. But like, I do think there's something to be said for, um, you know, again, just just this idea of when when teams that feel as though they have promise lose they come back so hungry and motivated next time. And when teams that maybe did not know or feel as if they had promise win, I think they sometimes get a bit fat, happy, and comfortable. Um, and so with that, like, you know, under that logic, I could definitely see a scenario where the Panthers just are hungrier. They're just more focused and they get that last second field goal, which they surrendered to Kate York in the first game. Um, that said, um, I mentioned this on our episode the other night. Um, I think Saquon Barkley had one of the best moments, not just the best games of, of week one by, by, by any player, but also one of the very best moments. Um, I, I kid you not, like the football fan in me 
got goosebumps watching his two-point conversion to seal that win. I mean, like it was such an incredible moment for a player who has been through so much and who has had so many just setback after setback after setback to the point where he was finally shunned in fantasy this year, which which I saw really as the admission by the NFL betting community that, you know, he, he was permanently going to lose a step from all of those injuries. But no, he he was the best player on that field. And he very well could be the best player on on that field on Sunday. Um, and so, you know, in that regard, I may not have formally picked the Giants, but I could absolutely see them winning this game. And I would be thrilled to death if they won this game, especially for Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Um, just weird to say, considering that we could say something very similar about CMC, who is playing for the Panthers. And I think he's a... An amazing player, certainly. I just think that the way the defense is, it, 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 it favors the Giants. Yeah, yeah, 100%. The difference being, of course, that, you know, I feel as though the NFL betting and fantasy community haven't quite given up on McCaffrey yet. Whereas, like, I feel like people bailed on Barkley going into this season. And, like, perhaps rightfully so, you know. But, but you are right. It is an interesting matchup in that regard in that it's sort of like, it's sort of a matchup between the disgraced running backs, you know, um, which disgraced running back is going to uh, is going to come out on top. So, moving on, the next game in the slate is Patriots at Steelers, and I, I can't bother to care about this game. <laughs> I think with win, I think that the Steelers without T.J. Watt and we know how awful that offense looked a week one. They just got lucky to win. I think that combination is going to be easy for the Patriots to bounce back into. The Steelers offense has two problems. They can't run and they can't pass. That when, sounds pretty bad for them. Yes. Time. Yes. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. And when those are your two problems, you don't win games. And the only reason you might have had a shot of winning those games is if you, oh, I don't know, had two or three of the most transcendent defensive players in the league at their positions on your roster. Well, you still have Minka Fitzpatrick, who is one of those transcendent players in in, in the secondary, but you don't have TJ Watt. And, you know, for all of the, you know, offensive woes, at least you had what we are starting to potentially believe could be a star in your running back, Najee Harris. But, like, he got banged up. He's not going to be 100%. And I'm sorry, but that offensive line is atrocious. Mitch Trubisky is more atrocious. And the defense is not going to be the same at the point of attack. Patriots, easy win for the Patriots. Not to mention Belichick's going to be pissed about how they looked against the Dolphins in week one. And so he's going to come out firing on all cylinders, and he's going to pull out all the stops. And he's going to win this game if it's the last thing he does. So, yeah, it seems like a pretty easy win. No Indeed, an easier win though. Rams over Falcons. Oh boy, easy win for the Falcons. Easy win. I mean, they were so close to winning that game. Yes, the we, coin just didn't go their way. Essentially, indeed, we are we know that they're going to face a team that lost by twenty-one. Yeah, 
clearly in better sledding. Yes, clearly, clearly when you lose to a team by one point, it, it absolutely means that you are better than a team that lost to another team by 21 points. I mean, who in their right mind could disagree with that? I think Matthew Stafford might. Yes, perhaps Matthew Stafford and any of his uh, any of his uh, polygamous soulmates on the field. Yeah, I, I I can't give you any real football analysis just because <laughs> if, uh, Cam Akers looked bad, even if Allen Robinson looked non-existent in that offense against the Bills, they were facing the Bills. These are the Falcons. Let's not overthink this. Yeah, no, let's let's really not, guys. The Rams are going to be so, so hyper-focused in this game after what happened to them in that opener. Um, and the Falcons, I, I think, I, I actually think this is the rare instance where where a loss for the Falcons might actually deflate them in week one. Because, like, that was a game that no one gave them a chance to win, and they almost won, but they didn't. You know? And, like, I, I just wonder if that might actually have a, a negative hangover for them going into this game. But again, the Rams just have too much firepower. Psychological mindsets and and mental warfare should not matter. Um, Rams by a lot. Rams by a lot. In, in fact, I just checked the spread, Alex, and and the spread is actually currently sitting at a lot. Interesting. Yes, you know, the Rams are favored by a lot against the Falcons. I, I don't think I can bet that spread particularly on my FanDuel account, so maybe you could put the money in for winning by a lot. Yes. But another team I think is going to win by a lot is the 49ers over the Seahawks. Mm, What a transition. Man, you are rocking these transitions today. I'm loving it. Um, Trey Lance better win this game. I'm sorry, but, like, he had better win this game. Because if he he loses this game, I think there's a chance – I think there's a chance they pull him for Jimmy G. Now, do they actually pull the trigger? You know, there's there's some politics there that that might might govern what actually goes down. But like, you opened up against the Bears, who I'm I'm sorry, from King. You know how 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 uh, I, I'm sorry, but they're bad. <laughs> this look. I have never seen this look before, ladies and gentlemen. The look that he is giving me right now. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I literally feel as though I have just broken your heart. I am so sorry. You have not broken my heart in the slightest because I, I know the Bears are trash. But that said, I think we can all now agree they are much better and feistier than we thought going into week one. Um, I, but I think the, the rain did a lot of it. I'm not going to mince any words. I'm not going to be overly helpful. But we can talk about my team more later. Let's talk about the team that we somehow beat, the Niners. I mean, they Trey Lance needs to win this game. He needs to figure out a way to beat the Seattle Seahawks. And if he can beat the Seattle Seahawks, he will buy himself a lot more time. Um, but if he loses to the Seattle Seahawks, he could be on a very, very short leash. Well, ultimately, the Seahawks just have a really bad defense. And it's only voodoo was the reason that there were takeaways in that game against the Broncos. Yes. Yes, yes, it was Pete Carroll's of uh, uh, it was Pete Carroll's voodoo special on a on a uh, damp and cold Monday night up in the great uh, up in the great Pacific Northwest. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I just just win this game, Trey Lance. Just win this game. Do whatever you have to do. If you have to run 20 times, run 20 times. I mean, that's what Lamar did in his first start. He literally ran 27 times. And guess what? They won the game. They won the game on a last-second field goal because that man ran 27 times. So do what you have to do, Trey Lance. Do what you have to do. Running 27 times, that's what I really want for an NFL offense. I mean, to be fair, he never ran 27 times again, but he did it in that game because they needed him to do it in that game because they needed to win. It's fair. You got to do what you need to do. Um, that's that's the Devo Samuel special as well for carrying the ball. Um, and on the Seattle side of things, I, I just I have to think week one was a fluke. I have to think that Geno Sons has come to a close. Ah. The fateful matchup against Russell Wilson, you know, the face of the Seahawks for close to a decade, is no longer in the picture. Moving on to Bengals at Cowboys. Um, Frumpkin... Bengal tigers are unfortunately not indigenous to the wild, wild west. But do you know what would have happened to all of those wild, wild west civilians if they had been? They would have been decimated. They would have been decimated. They would have been disemboweled, systematically taken apart, and eaten for lunch. Or dinner. You don't know what their meal schedule is like. Or dinner. That's true. That's true. You don't know what they had for lunch. Maybe they went to Kava or something. But like... The I, I I I I refuse to talk about this. <laughs> I just refuse to talk about this game. Cowboys were fully healthy and had Dak behind center. I wouldn't think they'd win. They're yes. missing most of their O line and they're missing their quarterback. If the Cowboys were fully healthy and had negative free agency losses, meaning all of their free agents came back to play in this game, I still think the Bengals would have handled them in their own stadium. So let's just – and folks, please, please do not tell me the Bengals turned the ball over five times against the Steelers. Yeah, that's what the Steelers do, okay? That is what the Steelers' defense does. I can't explain it. They simply – their front seven simply puts their arms up into the air and they manufacture picks, okay? They they can summon picks on command. It's almost like they have a voodoo system of their own. I – I've seen them do it against so many good teams, and don't get me wrong, the Bengals are still an excellent team. Do not try to convince yourself otherwise. They're still an excellent team. And on Sunday, the world is going to see that. Moving on. Mm. Cardinals. Sorry. uh, Texas at Broncos. I think that this is going to be a layup game for the Broncos. And I don't really have a strong notion of why the Texans would be able to win, except for maybe that the tie for them against the Colts was a very monumentous occasion, and they'll be motivated to try even harder against the Broncos. But the Broncos just have everything else going for them. Mm -hmm. Let's ride, baby. Let's ride. That's all I have to say about this one. Let's ride. Moving on to the Cardinals at the Raiders. Alex, I told you when we were first going over these games together, 
this might be the most interesting game on the schedule for this week. And I say that because, A, I, f- I found it to be one of the hardest games to actually predict. Um, but B, like, both both these quarterbacks kind of got punched in the mouth in week one. You know, like like Arizona, you know, Kyler Murray, that was bad, bad showing. Um, and Derek Carr, bad, bad showing. Now, now, I did say with Carr, I did say with Carr's week one performance that if you take out the three senseless interceptions, again, none of them came on third and fourth down. So he really did not have to make any of those throws or force any of them. If you take those out, he actually had a really nice game. Um, but, you know, both these teams are kind of feeling to themselves, I think, right now, like, uh, that's not how our season was supposed to get started. You know, getting absolutely boat raced by, you know, a conference rival and a division rival, respectively. And, like, I know the final score of the Chargers-Raiders game was close, but, like, the Chargers controlled that game. The Raiders had to have a lot of things go their way in order for them to have a chance to come back at the end of that one. Um, so I'm inclined to say, who did I pick in this game? You picked the Raiders. So, so I picked the Raiders. Thank you. I was, I was having a brain fart for whatever reason. I picked the Raiders simply because I happen to think the Raiders are less of a tire fire than the Cardinals. Um, I think the Cardinals are dealing with a lot of turmoil right now, like, like, like within their organization. I think the owner is unhappy with the agent and the quarterback. I think the coach and the, I think the coach and the owner are unhappy with the quarterback. I think the quarterback's unhappy with everybody. And I think it, it, it showed up on the field in week one. They looked lost. They looked unprepared. They looked woefully just quite simply bad. Um, They just looked like they, they didn't belong on that field. Um, and I think, I don't know if they're going to be able to just necessarily get it together in a span of seven days, especially after a a devastating loss like that. Whereas the Raiders, I feel like, you know, they're probably saying to themselves, okay, we could have won this game. We made a couple of senseless throws, which we didn't have to make. And so we just need to, you know, be more careful with the football in this game and we should be fine. And so with that in mind, it's, it's an easy call for me, Raiders over the Cardinals. I agree that the Cardinals have to go through a lot more mental gymnastics in order to be into the place to win, but I think they will be just because of how devastating of a punch that was to the throat because they know who they are. They they have paid a lot of money to Kyler. They have some very flashy players. They have a lot of aspects of their team that uh, they were feeling good about because there was a point, you know, that last year we were thinking that they were going to win their division, possibly contend for the conference. And uh, it's been quite a fall from grace. I yeah. just think that uh, that at their ceiling, they're the better the team than the Raiders, which is why I am going to bet on the ceiling. For the sake of this game, I realize that it's a great chance of being unrealized, but... I, I, I don't know. I just didn't love what I saw from the Raiders because I thought that the Chargers gave them enough chances to come back and they didn't do anything with them. I actually agree with all of that. So, like, I, I do agree with you that, that the Cardinals' ceiling is far higher than the Raiders when they're firing on all cylinders. And I also believe 
that the Raiders did have ample opportunities to to come back in their game. That said, three interceptions that'll that'll burn through some of those opportunities. Um, but like you know, this was the first game of the week two slate, which I saw and I said to myself, is there a is there an abundantly clear roster advantage for either team? Like with all these other teams, with all these other games, it seems there's, you can clearly point to a better roster, whether, you know, whether the matchups align, right? Like, like we know the Colts don't match up with the Jags. We know the Bucks don't match up with the Saints. Um, You know, that, that, you know, that, that is sometimes the question, but, but as, as far as this game goes, I, it's such a weird matchup to think about because I still feel like there are so many question marks with both, um, especially with the Raiders. There's just so many new pieces, and I don't know how much better either of their defenses really got in the offseason. So, you know, with that said, you know, I, I could see this going either way, but I, I just have a feeling that the Raiders are going to be the ones who come out on top. Fair enough. Moving on to Sunday Night Football. Mm. It brings me much chagrin to say that I think this is such a clear win for the Packers. I also picked the Packers, but I do not believe it is going to be nearly as close as you suggest. Really? Yes, I think. Yes, I know it was raining. Yes, I know Trey Lance at this point is not as refined a quarterback as Justin Fields. But at the same time, I saw something from the Bears you know, during, you know, during that, that slog fest in the rain, I I saw something in them and the Packers are at the end of the day, a, ultimately they are a product of how much Aaron Rodgers cares to care. And I am here to argue that I do not believe he cared to care about his rookie receivers in week one. I think he gave them a chance at the beginning of the game. And when they let him down, he bailed on them. And he didn't come back to them until the very, very end of the game when he had to come back to them because they were down by so much and he really didn't have a choice. He had to, like, pretend like he wanted to come back. So, you know, but, like, I don't sense that with the Bears. I think the uh, I think the Eberflus hire could potentially turn out to be one of the most underrated coaching hires of the entire offseason. I think he showed a lot of promise in week one. Um, I, I just continue to believe that, that the Packers are a lot more lost on offense than everyone thinks they are, um, with, you know, with Aaron not having a, a, a deep, a deep receiving core, but specifically a deep enough receiving core of trusted veterans that, that still have playmaking juice, you know, left to give, um, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, they're just guys, you know, they're just guys. They, they can't be your number one at this point in their careers. And so you're left with a bunch of young guys who you have to trust and you have to give chances to. And I'm not saying Aaron won't get there this season, but after what I saw in week one, I can't pretend like he is suddenly going to be on the same page with them and that he is going to give them ample opportunities to shine when he could barely stomach more than a single opportunity for them during the first game. I think that Lazard is coming back for this game, which I think is pretty huge. And uh, ultimately, I think Rodgers is going to care about somehow losing to the Bears at Lambeau. 
he all he has is his ego and he will die on the fact that he owns us so that is why above all else he will push to beat us even if his team is the worst it's ever had when he's lined up against us does he still own shares of bear stock um, there are actually no Bears stock, and I don't think he owns any shares of Packers stock, but uh, he thinks he owns it for whatever reason. Mm. Perhaps mm. he has an affair with Virginia McCaskey that none of us know about. That is mightily uncomfortable to think about. Um, moving on to the very next game on the schedule. Uh, one of the Monday night matchups, we're going to have two this week. Very, very cool. The Titans at the Bills. So we both picked the Bills here, and I think it's the right side. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is kind of funny. The Titans have given the Bills trouble in each of the last two seasons. Like, if you go back and you look at their, their 2020 game and their 2021 games, the Titans ultimately won both, albeit last year's was much, much more contested. Um, but like, this is another one that, that, that kind of has a bit of a negative matchup for the bills feel to it. That said, you know, there comes a point in time when I think the cream, you know, has to rise to the top. And I don't think the bills are going to allow the Titans to beat them three straight years in a row, particularly not now that their defensive front is literally an eight man rotation. I've never seen anything like it. Um, not even the Niners defensive front from a couple of years ago, in my opinion, can match that. Um, and you know, the Titans, they, they showed some weakness in, 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 you know, during the first game. Um, you know, I I do think they can be had, especially, you know, like in the, in the, you know, intermediate passing game where, you know, I think Josh Allen has significantly improved over the last year or two. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I still don't love the fact that the Bills' most productive runner is Josh Allen. Um, I mean, you know, Devin Singletary, he, you know, he showed some flash during that first game. But, like, I still feel like if Josh Allen does not run, no one takes that running game seriously, um, which <laughs> I, I'm certainly one to talk. Look at the Ravens running backs. Um, but that's only temporary. That's the difference. But anyway, um, you know, I could see it going either way, but but I really do think the Bills come out on top at long last. I, I just can't think that the team is going to the Titans are going to go from losing to the Giants to beating the Bills. Honestly, like it shouldn't make sense, but like literally in each of the last two years, the Titans have given the Bills fits. They have given them fits. This offense is clearly regressed because they lost their top. To, they lost their main passing weapon. Agreed. Um, Robert Woods was nearly a no-show week one, and maybe he'll be there again. The guy who got the most looks was Kyle Phillips. Uh, mm. And uh, Traylon Burks is another rookie. It's just, I'm not going to put any faith in these rookie wide receivers um, making a major impact against the Buffalo Bills. So what you're saying Alex, is that having an all-rookie team is not a good idea? I suppose it's not. <laughs> Dude, can you imagine? Like, like you would have to, like, you would have to be in such a weird point of your team cycle that, like, 
literally all of your position groups are like the average age is like 35. That's absurd. And you would have to simultaneously let go of all of them and somehow recoup enough bodies to play in the next week, next year. If they trade Tannehill away and if they trade Derrick Henry away, they're pretty close to it, I guess. Honestly, it's, it's one of those scenarios that like, would actually be a disaster, but like there are so many protections in place to like prevent it from ever actually becoming a reality, you know? Um, for sure. For sure. But anyway, we, uh, we digress. The real Monday night football game. That's right. This one is the eight twenty PM game versus the seven fifteen PM game that the Titans <laughs> Bills play Vikings and Eagles. Will Kirk cousins show up in prime time? I say yes. I say he could. That's fair. He could. Yes. I think I think the man gets far too much flack for that. Um, but uh, it's funny. Alex and I were, were uh, going through a little uh, – uh, uh, we were going through a little scenario the other day, um, which I came up with, whereby if the schedule makers really wanted to, they could literally fast-track Kirk Cousins to the Super Bowl in that – all they would have to do is simply stack all of his primetime games to be between weeks 15 and 18 so that he could play in the afternoon, the early or late afternoon windows every week up until that point. And then at the end of the season, he could be flexed out of the primetime windows and into the early afternoon slot again or the late afternoon slot. Then in the playoffs, always give him either a 1 p.m. or a 3 p.m. game slot. And then... You're looking up, and Kirk Cousins is in the Super Bowl because he never had to play a primetime game during the season. That sounds so much more ridiculous when you say it out loud, and it's not. A- <laughs> I'm sorry, man, but like I, I, I'm just, I'm sorry. It's it's just the meme is just so funny. It's partly funny because like it's partly kind of like very exaggerated and like you know kind of silly. Like of course he can win in prime time. He's he's literally done it. But, like, I, I don't know. I just go off on that stuff sometimes. But I just think that, you know, the offense looked really good. And I think it's going to look really good again. I, I think the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles allowed 35 points score on them by the Lions does not paint them well for this matchup. Mm-hmm. Granted, this is a home game, and the Dirty Birds really have a raucous fan base. But uh, I think that uh, I just I just think this is the Vikings' year. Mm. Yeah, no, I do too. I think um, I mean, you know, I, I I think they were both of our our picks to win the NFC North division this year. And uh, if 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 anything, they more than proved that in Week One. They showed me at least more than I had to see in order to believe. I would have been completely comfortable if they had won that game like 34-31 or something like that. Um, but, like, yeah, yeah, they've got a really, really solid team. And I think they ha- they now have a head coach who is more aligned with Kirk Cousins, it, it understands and appreciates offense a bit better, and I think who, who cares more to utilize Justin Jefferson in a manner in which Justin Jefferson can break your back because Justin Jefferson – broke the Packers back in week one. Um, there is no other way to put it. Yeah, I was reading about it. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, I don't know I mean, whether it was him or the OC that did, 
But they schemed Justin Jefferson so that his closest cover man was a linebacker a lot of the time. <laughs> oh, and that's so savage. Because they knew that they would rupture the Packers' defense that that's way. That's so savage, dude. That's like that's actually like offensive brilliance. I'm that's sorry. That's why Jair Alexander only was the closest man to cover Justin Jefferson on three targets. Yeah. Yeah, like that's that's the thing about the Vikings. Like I feel like they always have two great receivers. Like either it's either it's, you know, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen or it's Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. You know? Like what are you supposed to do? Randy Moss. What? Or it's Chris Carter and Randy Moss. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Perfect example. Like like it just I mean, like, what are you supposed to do with that? You know, like, if if you're most NFL teams, you have one great cover corner, one shutdown guy. Like, what do you do with the other guy? Thielen was, like, non-existent in week one because he didn't have to be. Yeah, that's true. But, but again, you know, when you're primarily assigning linebackers to Justin Jefferson, I suppose Adam Thielen does not have to be much of anything in week one. Um, but, yeah. Well... I will say yeah, that I think be. that uh, maybe the number one corner, the number one corner in in Green Bay is better than Darius Slay, but they also have James Bradbury, which is uh, mm. they don't have nearly as good of a second corner in uh, Green Bay, in my humble opinion. So that will be interesting, and yeah. also yeah. I I don't know exactly how good their linebackers are, but I do think that's a weakness of Philadelphia. So again, it'll just I'm I'm excited to see what Kevin O'Connell does. I mean, it's weird to say that I'm excited to see a Vikings game in my opinion, but I am excited to see it. I also think it's interesting that this I mean it's different. Uh so many of the players are not the same, but this is the rematch of that Vikings Eagles game leading into the Super Bowl a few years back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean uh, agree with all of that. I think the Vikings have been a sneaky good watch for the last couple of seasons. I think the Eagles are, um, I, I think the Eagles are a really good watch now. Uh, oh, oh yeah. Uh, oh, oh, and I was just about to get to that. Like, I think this is, I think this is a game of some of the two best watches of, of the weekend. Like, you know, obviously there are fun, there are other fun watches on the schedule, but like, this this strikes me as a game where both offenses are like must see TV. Um, you know the Eagles with their you know refined you know running first offense, and the Vikings with their slew of weapons, and Kirk Cousins you know you know clearly very comfortable in the system. Um, the Vikings got such a they got so job last year with those one score games. I mean they literally lost ten games I think or, or they lost. Six or seven games, I think it was, by one score. That's just insane. That's just unbelievably insane. Um, you know, they're not going to have such such poor luck in one-score games this year. And, you know, if week one is any indication, hopefully they won't be in as many of those to begin with. All right. Yeah, I think that's a bit it for this week's predictions. Uh, the only other thing that we have to talk about is our playoff team. Last year, we started this, let's call it a game, I suppose, where we cut out a player, a team rather, from every single week of the NFL schedule as we make it to the playoffs to see how many teams are left 
and to see if we can all accurately predict the 14 playoff teams. We, we could have done it last week, but we decided to let us watch one single game of football for each team before we made any cuts. But that week has passed, and now it's time for us to drop teams. So for me personally, the first team that I was going to drop from the NFL playoff predictions was the Seattle Seahawks. I say this now thinking maybe they're not the worst team in the league considering the Geno Sons, but I'm not going to I'm not going to fight my initial tendency on this one. And uh, no matter what they're not making the playoffs. Like Jesus fucking Christ. NFL <laughs> would have to have imploded in order for that outcome to happen. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I, I told you this. I, I literally texted a, a Broncos fan uh, after the game, and I told him the football gods really found the one scenario in which y'all could lose this game. Um, that was just mind-boggling uh, to me that they lost that game. Russell Wilson throws for 340 yards, and they fumble on the one-yard line twice. Two different That's two different what? running backs doing. Two, two different running backs fumble on the one-yard line twice. Russell Wilson throws for, for over a 300-burger, and Geno literally has a Geno-sance. I'm sorry, but like that will that combination, if they played 15 more times, if they played 50 more times, that combination would never happen again. Um, but anyway, um, I like the Seahawks pick. Um, I'm sticking with Atlanta who again I would have picked going into week 1 even if I you know had had I not seen the games and even after seeing the games I completely stand by that. Um I I do not necessarily believe that a good showing for a bad team in week 1 means that that bad team is better than we think they are. Um you know now now one might take that and then try to poke holes in my Bears argument from earlier. But, you know, I do think the Bears were potentially a bit undersold going into this year. Again, we can get more into that on a future pod. But the Falcons have the allure and feel of a team that is trying to tank, Um, which may not necessarily be a bad thing, especially given the crop of quarterbacks coming out of next year's draft class. Um, But, like, I'm sorry. You're not winning that division. You're not winning that division with Brady. uh, you know, the Saints roster and Baker and the Carolina roster, which I think Carolina's defense is sneaky, feisty and like, you know, sneaky good. Um, you know, Atlanta is just a step below all of them. And sure, they might look good against their division rivals because, you know, those games tend to be close across the board no matter who you are. Um, but I, I feel very comfortable leaving them as my first team off the board for this year. Fair enough. And for my second team off the board, I took a team that was a bad team that utterly crumbled during week one. And that was the New York (laughs) Jets. I mean, we can make an argument. Oh, they're not at full strength. Zach Wilson's coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Flacco doesn't have that dog in him. I get it. But, like, not (laughs) enough to make this team make the playoffs. All the good yeah. players they have are rookies and Zach Wilson, basically. Okay, maybe Elijah Moore. But you get my point. They are incredibly young and uh, unpoised. 
and they were going to have to shift their identity, and they're missing their starting left tackle, who it seems to always be missing. And, you know, yeah. it's just not a good situation. And then sprinkle in, you know, the institutional dysfunction that is the New York Jets organization. Hmm. This team is not going to make the playoffs against the Bills. Oh, they're not going to win. be close to winning their division against the Bills or the Dolphins. And then I certainly think, even if I don't like the Patriots, they're leagues ahead of the Jets. So, so the more I was listening to you talk, the more I was thinking to myself, how did I miss them? <laughs> how did I miss them when I was going through the field of potential candidates to eliminate in week two? Um, they're full disclosure. They're going to be my week three pick. Okay. Um, because you know, I have to write that horrendous wrong that I've now committed. Um, you know, but at the same time, and like, again, with the jets, just like, I, you know, losing Zach Wilson for a couple weeks. Yeah. That's like not ideal. Losing Mackay Becton, your left tackle for the whole season is just debilitating. I mean, that's just, that's the one thing that you can't let happen. I mean, other than your quarterback missing the whole year, you know, if Zach Wilson was going to miss the whole year, I'd write you off too. But like losing your left tackle is the next most disastrous thing that could have happened. Um, and we, we saw that play out on Sunday. And like, you, you, I think you said it, you know, the Jets have inherited an awful division, uh, meaning like an awful division to have to like play against, you know, between Josh Allen, who's going to rule that division for the next five to 10 years. Um, the, you know, the Dolphins revamped offense and their, you know, defensive playmakers, you know, on their front. And the Patriots who, you know, we can make memes about them and laugh about Belichick, but at the same time, like, He's owned the Jets. That is the one thing he, he has done well post-Brady is he has owned the Jets. It is something about their personnel, something about their schemes. He owns the Jets. And he will continue to own the Jets, in my humble opinion. So, yes, great pick. Kicking myself that I didn't pick them. But because I didn't pick them, I will have to instead eliminate the, yes, I'm going to go there, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are off the playoff train, in my humble opinion, and it is only week two. That I, I, I appreciate your bravery. But you see, I don't see it as bravery. I see it as 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 honesty. You know, like I see it as taking a good, hard, honest look at what they are. And what they are is when Dak was healthy through three quarters. They managed a field goal. And granted, Tampa is very stout defensively, sure. But their offensive line is is awful. Tampa's offensive line is awful. And despite Tampa's offensive line being awful, Brady was still able to mostly command that game for four quarters. And, you know, that should not have been how that game transpired. That game was not supposed to be as lopsided as it was. And again, Dak was clearly in the game for a good three to three and a half quarters. He did not get injured until, you know, a good ways into the fourth. And who knows? He might be out for eight to nine weeks. I mean, that that's a big part of my argument is, is that he might be gone for at minimum the next four, but more than likely the next six at least 
potentially eight to nine, depending on if he has any setbacks, um, which is really kind of, you know, tough because, you know, for all of the lecturing that I've given the Cowboys over the years, I am a huge fan of Dak Prescott. I love Dak. I think Dak's been through a lot in his life and he's had to overcome a lot in life. And I think he's an incredibly hard worker. And more importantly, I think he's a really good person. Um, and I also think he's a pretty good quarterback. I, I think he's much better when the team around him is better. But, you know, for him to go down and for us to see what he looks like when, like, the roster is fully healthy and he's out there and they can't score a touchdown, I mean, it, it doesn't make you feel good. It just doesn't inspire confidence. I watched... Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley run and pass all over the Titans. I watched Carson Wentz light up Jacksonville, which again, it is Jacksonville, but he he was very crisp and very decisive with his throws. And I saw the Eagles put up 38 on the Lions and Jalen Hurts and his running backs continue to run all over people. So like I look at Dallas and I'm like scored three touchdowns on the 49ers. What? Even the Bears scored three touchdowns on the Bears. Yes. Yes. This is my point. You could not score a touchdown. A touchdown. Not a single one. You managed one field goal. And your division looks to be really good. In fact, it looks to be much better than it was last year, than it potentially has been in a very long time. And, like, I'm sorry, but I just – there's just too much working against them here. There's just too much working against them. They're out. Yeah. That's fair. I just had to imagine that there were worse teams to cut. Sheesh. There, there probably are, but but I decided to save them for like you know my back pocket and get rid of a team that I think may have just joined their ranks, but the rest of the world just necessarily hasn't come around to that just yet. All right. Well, it certainly makes for interesting content to say the least. Yes, to, very interesting. To count the Dallas Cowboys out after a single week, even though it logically makes sense. I actually thought that the Eagles had an incredibly good chance of winning the division, you know, when I thought Dallas was going to be a good team. Yet now we see that they will not be a good team. They would at best be a mediocre team. Unless. There were just some, unless it was just something about one game against the Bucks that we shouldn't have read too much into. But now that Dak's going to be gone for an extended amount of time, yeah, uh, the panics, the the hazard lights should be up, alarms should be firing. The best version of this Dallas Cowboys team was the one that was on the field for that playoff game against the 49ers. Ever since then, their team has gotten systematically and methodically worse. Their pass rush has gotten worse through free agency departures. Their offensive line has gotten both older and less stacked through, again, a free agency departure. And their wide receivers have gotten worse due to multiple free agency departures. Cedric Wilson is a big loss for them. Even though he was their their number three or their number four, he might be the best number three in the league. And now he's gone. And Amari Cooper's gone. So while CeeDee Lamb can certainly be be your undisputed number one, who's your number two? You know, like who, who's the guy who fills CeeDee Lamb's spot beside Amari Cooper? And so 
I just I haven't been a believer since you know since the off season since they just were literally bleeding good players off their roster. It seemed like from from March through August they just bled good players, um, and now they don't have their quarterback. And like you know the offensive line stuff, you know that 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 doesn't tend to get better over the course of, of your season. I mean, can can one group of guys get better chemistry if they're always playing together? Sure. In theory, they could, but it's never going to be that one group of guys because it, it's a really demanding position. Offensive linemen get hurt all the time. It's not like the same five are going to start, you know, for 17 games. So when one of them gets hurt, a new guy joins the fold and then they have to start over again. And I just think it's 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 just too much. It's just too much to ask of them, given their situation in aggregate. And if they do make the playoffs, I will – what will I do? What will I do, Alex, if the Dallas Cowboys make the playoffs? Would you wear a massive cowboy hat to work? I – you see, the thing is that's not really like – that's not really like a punishment, you know, because like, especially if I do, a, if I do a work from home day, like I can just hide it, you know, and, and like, and like the world never has to see it. Like I have to do something on this pod that everyone knows that I have done almost like an action that I have. to. Well, perform. that's kind of what I meant that you actually go into the office when you wear your hat. You know what? Let's, let's find between now and, and, and the next pod we do, let's find a really nice Dallas based charity. Okay, and if the Dallas Cowboys make the playoffs, I have to donate. I have to donate. If the Dallas Cowboys make the playoffs, I have to donate fifty dollars to that charity. Okay. Personally. So, in, in summary, you hate charity because <laughs> unless some miracle happens, you know it's it, it's funny. I knew that's exactly where you were going to go the moment I the moment I proposed that out of thin air. Full disclosure, I love charity. In fact, that's actually the reason why I chose that to be the activity because I don't really see that as a punishment. I see that as just a like, hey guys, you got me. Here you go. Here's a gesture of my goodwill. Honestly, like if we find this charity and it looks cool, like, you know, I'll probably make it a donation either way. I just might not donate $50. All right. Unless the Dallas Cowboys win enough games to make the playoffs, Rob will give less money to charity. I think that's still the grand <laughs> takeaway here. You are you are poking very very valid and rational holes in my in my art in my logic right now. And I literally do not have an answer. You are moving down the field on me. There, there, there's like a minute, a minute ten left, and I cannot stop your I'm offense Aaron right Rogers. now. And you're Aaron Rodgers, and more importantly, you are Aaron Rodgers when he cares. True. Boy, am I powerful. Boy, are you powerful, now man? Now I understand why oh, I think I own the Bears because there's a <laughs> running through my veins right now. Yes. Did I mention that I am actually the Bears' defense in this scenario? And I am being passed upon mercilessly by, by, by that bad man up in Green Bay. Um, but anyway, um, 
Well, guys, I think that's all we have for this week. Yeah, I think that's about it. Um, again, this episode likely will not be up by the start of Thursday Night Football. I swear yeah. on the life of Virginia McCaskey that we recorded <laughs> prior to 8.20 p.m. Eastern time. That's not a good thing to swear on, honestly, because, like, I don't. I kind of don't know how how much longer the life of Virginia McCaskey is going to be in play. Well, it was longer in play than Queen Elizabeth, so I suppose that's all that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's tough, man. That's tough. We, Alex and I, were talking about this the other day. Um, you know, obviously, it goes without saying. You know, God save the Queen. Queen Elizabeth, you know, her legacy will, will, you know, live on forever and she'll be so cherished by so many people. Um, and you know, the, uh, the UK will, will, you know, never be the same because of her in a very positive light. Um, Alex and I were talking how, uh, if we could have done it differently, we would have arranged for Queen Elizabeth and for Virginia McCaskey to compete in the NFL Gabriel Davis skills challenge, whereby we are competing the, the idea of the competition and neither Alex nor I can contain our laughter right now. The idea of the competition would have been to uh, see who can catch the most unbelievably easy touchdowns in a span of two minutes um, because Stefan Diggs is being double covered and Josh Allen is being pursued by a pack of hungry linebackers. I actually have an answer to this question now. I think it's going to be Queen Elizabeth that wins that matchup only because she's been dunking on colonies for the entirety of her life. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. She really has been. And honestly, like, I feel like she has a bit more backpedaling ability, you know? Like, like if I had to, you know, put my money on, like, one of the two of them to, like, you know, really be able to backpedal and, like, you know, you know, do a complete 180 and then accelerate. Like I, I, I would have to go with the queen because, you know, she, 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 she had to do that pretty often as, as, you know, a, a as a sovereign monarch, um, you know, just, you know, doing a complete pivot and, and changing course. Yeah, Virginia so. left most of the backpedaling to her son for the past few decades. So I think she's a bit of out of shape in that department. Indeed. Yes. Yes. A bit, uh, just a bit, just, just a tad bit out of shape. Man, I was just thinking we're going to have to invite Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs to this thing. It's going to be amazing. Yes, we're going to have to invite those two and just like sign a couple of linebackers and corners off the street. <laughs> I'm, it's, I, I think it's ridiculous that in this analogy that you get random people to play defense. But of course, you somehow acquire <laughs> Josh Allen for on his day off from the NFL schedule to throw footballs to near centenarian women. Well, there is like, there's a method to my madness, right? The offense literally has to win a hundred percent of the matchup of the matchups. If, if, if Josh Allen gets sacked or if, or if Josh Allen throws to Stefan Diggs, the challenge does not Imagine work. Imagine in this scenario that they're actually running a blitz and it's, it's a nickel blitz <laughs> and Queen Elizabeth comes and takes Josh Allen down. <laughs> She just betrays him. She just defects oh, no. to the other I mean, team. I, I was imagining Virginia, and uh, I, I, I guess I don't know the skills competition very well. I thought it was – Oh, oh! you were thinking we were going to line them up one-on-one yes, one with each other. I thought the old women were lining up against each other. 
Oh my goodness. No, 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 no. I was thinking we just plug them both into that, into that play design and we see just how many touchdowns they can score in two minutes a piece. Probably safer for their brittle bones as well. <laughs> Probably a bit safer, yes. Oh my gosh, folks, if you don't know of, of the Gabriel Davis touchdown to which we are referring, Google the Bills-Rams highlights from the opener last Thursday and just watch the first touchdown of the game. I do not think it is a stretch to say. Outside of that Bears touchdown, which was literally second-degree murder of the secondary, okay? Outside of that Bears touchdown, I don't believe I have seen a touchdown as stupid easy as I saw Gabriel Davis haul in for that very first score of the Bills game. But gosh, did that, my, my, did that Bears touchdown just blow the Gabriel Davis one out of the water. I mean, what, what was that? I really don't know what it was. I, I believe Kyle Shanahan actually had an embolism watching that play go down. All I know is that I would have an embolism watching the Queen Elizabeth Virginia McCaskey showdown as well. <laughs> and I have nothing else to add on this week. Yes, yes, but uh, but but seriously, uh, you know, rest in peace, uh, Queen Elizabeth, and uh, you know your your legacy will be felt for generations to come, and both both your your sovereign nation and nations far and wide who who had the chance to get to know you over the years will will all miss you very dearly. So, all right, this has been Pete Trout. Peace. All right, see you guys.